This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You've got to care for yourself first, and that's not a selfish act if you're going to be your best in this world. And that might be caring for other people, that might be running your own business, it might be being an artist or a creator of some kind. Um, it might just be existing in this world, right? And obviously there's that saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. We really do agree with that. If you're gonna be your best, however you define that in this world, you do have to take care of yourself well. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Uh, guys, we're starting off rough because I just recorded this entire intro. It was like 10 minutes and it was good. I was I was storytelling. I was like, I was excited to talk to you guys and I realized I wasn't recording and I know it was only 10 minutes, but you know, it's like now I have to say everything that I just said again and it's just not going to be that organic because it's not my first time saying it and I hate when I do that. So <sighs> we're redoing this. I, I I will say I was more excited the first time around because obviously it wasn't my second time doing it, but that's okay. So we're going to redo this intro and I'm going to fill you in on what I was talking about in the first intro. So the way I started off this intro was telling you guys about two things that I am really proud of that I did this week. And I actually did both of them in the exact same day. So I put myself out there twice this week and it's only Wednesday. I'm very happy about that. I feel like there's more that this week is going to be a week of like me putting myself out there because I have some more events going on this week. But anyways, on Tuesday, I actually did two events. One was a brunch with influencers and it was an influencer event. And normally you would think like, how is that out of your comfort zone? But usually for influencer events, you're allowed to bring a plus one. But this was like an intimate brunch at a place called Planta here in Miami. And so it wasn't something that I could bring people to. So I decided to go by myself. I usually do not go to influencer events if I'm going by myself. Like I will not go. I am so embarrassed or not embarrassed, but I'm just like, who am I going to talk to? Everyone's going to go with someone. But this time I was like, you know what? It's a brunch. Like I'm just going to go and talk to influencers and meet influencers and meet people in Miami because honestly Miami is not a place where there's like that many influencers that you can connect with so I just wanted to meet people in the community and so I went and it was actually a lot of fun I met really cool people and I think I've met people that I can totally see myself hanging out with and now when I do go to events I'll have familiar faces and like see familiar faces so very very happy about that and that one I was just like very proud of myself for putting myself out there then that same night I did something that I thought was even more intimidating I went to a networking event for women in tech for international women's day and I went by myself a hundred percent by myself. And that was 
very intimidating. I'm not going to lie. I was very scared because I don't know anyone. I knew one girl actually. So I did know one girl and I invited her, but she was coming an hour after me. And so I was like, I'm just going to go on my own, whatever, screw it. I'm going to go. And so I go to this event. It's at this beautiful rooftop in Miami. And I'm very excited and nervous at the same time because I do want to meet more people in tech. And like, I I just want to meet more people in the industry that I'm in. And so I went and at this rooftop and I walk in and everyone is in groups. Everyone's talking. Everyone's like in a little circle, like in their own circles, networking. And I'm just like, oh my God, everyone knows each other. I don't know anyone. I'm so awkward. And so then I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the bar. I'm first things first, beeline to the bar. I'm like, I need a drink, not because I need a drink to talk to people, but I was just like, I need something to do. Like I can't just stand around. Like I need to go order a drink. And so I go and it takes like 30 seconds. I thought the drink would take like at least five minutes, but no, it takes 30 seconds. So I'm like, all right, now what? So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get some appetizers, some little hors d'oeuvres. So I go and I get some hors d'oeuvres, you know, get some food. That does not take very long either. And so then I go and like set myself up at this like cocktail table where people are kind of like standing around ish. And so I'm there and I'm like, okay, what's my plan? Do I just like go up and like linger? You know, like people are talking, like, am I just like lingering there? And this is what goes through my mind. And like, if you are an introvert, if you are someone that has like a social battery that is very small, if you are someone that is not great in social settings or doesn't like really being the center of attention in social settings. I I get this and you probably relate to this, but I was just like, what do I do? Like, how do I make that first sentence? You know, once I start talking to people, I'm fine, but like, how do I introduce myself? And so I go, I stand around this table and then thank God someone recognized me from startup mornings. So I did this thing at the mayor's office for startup mornings. They invited some startup founders there to talk and speak to VC firms. And so I got to speak to them. And this one girl who worked for the mayor's office recognized me. She was like, oh my God, you like did startup mornings. And so I was talking to her and that's when I found the circle. So started talking to her. And then this other girl came up and we'll she was like, Hey, I came by myself. Like what's up. And so it was nice because I got to talk to her and and she came by herself also. So I was just so nervous and I'm just so proud of myself for doing that. And they do actually happy hours every single week. So my goal is to go every week. So I'm actually out of town for the next few weeks, but when I come back, I'm going to go every single week to these happy hours and try to meet people because that's the best way to do it guys. Like it really is the best way. So going to go and try to just put myself out there some more. So that was my week. That was what I was like incredibly proud of this week. And I'm just really, really happy that I was able to like put myself out there and meet people for the first time because I am not really great at that. That's not a strong suit of mine. So if any of you can relate, please let me know. But yeah, I was, I was proud of myself. But anyways, let's dive into today's episode because I know you're going to love today's episode. So today we have Stephanie Morimoto. She is the guest on The Real Real today, and I am so excited for you to hear her story. I like to have, you know, founders and CEOs and entrepreneurs on my podcast. And Stephanie has a very unique story because she didn't technically found the company, but she purchased it, which I think 
is really, really interesting. And I've never had someone on my podcast that purchased another company and then became the CEO and owner. I didn't even, like, I knew that that was a thing, obviously. I mean, hello, people get acquired all the time. You can purchase businesses. There's even a startup that makes it like super easy to purchase other companies. But I never talked to someone on the other end of that. So I was super, super interested in hearing her story. But she's the owner and CEO of Asutra, which is a clean, accessibly priced line of self-care products. And Asutra provides good jobs Jobs, which is so incredible with career pathways at a living wage with benefits and it's women owned and women led. So this is perfect for International Women's Day, which was last week and March is International Women's Month. So 73% of her team are people of color and 100% of staff would recommend a sutra as a great place to work. I mean, that is goals for what we're trying to do at Rella. We want everyone to recommend working at Rella to their friends and recognizing it as a great place to work. And before purchasing the company in 2018, Stephanie generated $500 million of revenue for two national education organizations, and she helped women in Chicago start small businesses. She's also a board member of Equality Illinois and Naturally Chicago, which is just incredible. We're giving snaps to her because she is a community member. She advocates for people. And I mean, I don't know. I just think her story is amazing. Stephanie believes in putting yourself needs first and that it's possible to find balance as a CEO. And a sutra is all about active self-care. So we talk a lot about what that means and what it means to her to like take care of herself on purpose. And that self-care is not selfish. She caught the entrepreneur bug while working with small businesses in Chicago, and she didn't want to take the startup route. So she began researching companies that she could purchase, which led to a sutra literally fascinating. Like I am so, so fascinated by this. And I know that you guys will be too. And in the early days of her company, she received a cold email from the one and only Venus Williams and learned that Venus used the pain relief products and wanted to hear more about the company. And she is now part owner and chief brand officer of the company, which is so incredible. So today we are going to talk about the process of purchasing a company and reimagining a brand, tips to set up boundaries, both at work and at home, and also how to get a product into the hands of major retailers and the importance of defining core values when establishing company culture. Very relevant to my life. I mean, I know that if you have a business, if you're an entrepreneur, this will be relevant. But even if you aren't, we talk so much about self-care and what that means to her and the difference between active self-care and, you know, the self-care that you see on Instagram, that type of stuff. We dive into it here. So without further ado, let's welcome Stephanie to the show. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Ares tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. 
Get busy being frizz-free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com/tos for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hey Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hey Natalie, thanks so much for having me. Super excited, like I said, to have you on. And I was looking through your LinkedIn. I was hearing about your story and I was just amazed at like everything that you're doing and how you're shaping the wellness industry. So I'm very excited to get started in this interview. But before we do that, I like setting the record straight. So I share some assumptions, some stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. Okay, sounds good. So the first one is self-care is too broadly used. The word self-care is too broadly used. Mm, I do agree with that. I think we use it all the time to talk about a lot of different things. And at Astutra, we're really specific about what we call active self-care. We help you take care of yourself on purpose. You can take on anything. And we share routines as well as tips and ingredients that actually work to help you do that. Yeah, no, I love that. I think a lot of times self-care can either be seemed as like um, a very like cheesy way of saying like, oh, I like take a bubble bath and I put on like essential (laughs) oils and I lay in bed with like a mask on, you know, and while that is totally self-care too, it's so much more than that. And I feel like that's such a narrow use of the word and it also isn't necessarily self-care all the time. So like there's so much more than that. So I agree with you. And the next one is that everyone deserves self-care. Ooh, that's a 
interesting one. I do believe that. I think, you know, for us at Astutra, like I said, we think about it as you've got to care for yourself first. And that's not a selfish act if you're going to be your best in this world. And that might be caring for other people. That might be running your own business. It might be being an artist or a creator of some kind. Um, it might just be existing in this world, right? And obviously there's that saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. We really do agree with that. If you're going to be your best, however you define that in this world, you do have to take care of yourself well. And for us at Asutra, that means it does mean getting a good night's sleep and enough rest. Mm -hmm. Getting good sleep makes you better at what you do. It means getting movement, having joy in your life, connecting with other people, relieving pain if that's something that you have. So I do think everybody deserves it. And we also really feel that it's important to provide great ingredients and formulations that work at accessible prices so that everyone can actually afford it and access it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also think, like you said, that self-care is not selfish. Like, why do people think that it's selfish? Like, why are some people thinking that that's something selfish? I feel like it's such a small-minded thought to think like we're just made to serve others and that's it. If you're going to serve others, you also have to be your best self. Like you said, it's kind of a two-sided thing. Like caring about yourself does care about others. Um, so why do you think like some people think of it as a selfish act? Well, you, Natalie, you just may be a lot more self-aware and enlightened <laughs> than a lot of other people. But I think sometimes we can just fall into this trap of we get really busy, right? We're maybe we're parents or we're business leaders, or again, we're you know working in an organization with a lot of other people or we're serving our community in some way. And I think it can be easy to focus on all these other people besides yourself. And suddenly you realize, wow, I've been running at hundred miles an hour every day and I haven't taken the time to rest. And I haven't taken the time to reflect on like what I really want my day-to-day -day look to look like or how I want to be in the world. And that's what we're really trying to get out there is the idea that it is okay to rest. It is okay to take that time to reflect on who you want to be and how you need to care for yourself so that you can actually do and be what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. Like, I feel like a lot of times I fall into that trap too, where I'm like, oh my God, I don't have time to do this, or I don't have time to do that, or right. I have way too many things on my plate. But I do think sometimes people think of it as like they don't deserve having that time or they don't deserve to take care of themselves. And I think that's when it gets kind of to be a dangerous slope that you get on. Oh, absolutely. And I got to say, I'm, I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist or anything <laughs> Me neither. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have mental health expertise in that way, but I will say, I mean, that gets into some really deep stuff, right? About whether you deserve to feel good, whether you deserve to be rested, whether you're good enough because you're just here on this planet and you're engaging in life every day. And I think we would say you are, and therefore everyone does deserve that. And it's important at that time. Well, I love that you're a company that like promotes that and does that. And also that you are the CEO of the company. And with that also, the last setting the record straight would be that there's no such thing as balance as a CEO. Oh, I definitely don't agree with that. I mean, obviously at Asutra, self-care is so important. We really focus on helping all of our employees, including myself, put our wellness first. And that's something I believe even before I was a CEO, you were going to be, you know, if you just think about it narrowly through work, for example, you're going to be best at your work if you're rested, if you have other things in your life that bring you joy. 
So I think it's definitely achievable. There are, you know, there are ups and downs, just like there are with anything in life. Um, but if you look at the whole, I think it's definitely important and possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what were you doing before you were at Asutra? So before you were the owner and CEO of Asutra, what did your life look like? I did a variety of things before Asutra. So I did everything from teach English in Japan to work at McKinsey, serving really large companies in retail, insurance, and even the nonprofit space on how they could grow or be better companies. And then I worked in the nonprofit education space for a dozen years, but more on the business side. So I raised money, I did marketing, and I built partnerships. We trained teachers and principals for high-need schools that had a hard time attracting that talent. And what I found there was, you know, there were a lot of kids who didn't have the right access to great education, but there were also a lot of parents and families who didn't have great access to jobs and economic opportunity. And before I worked in education, I helped women of color start small businesses. So I realized I wanted to get back to those entrepreneurial roots. And my idea was, I'm not a startup person. So I thought it would be so great to find a small business where the owner is ready to retire or move on, buy it from that owner, and then build it to the next level and use it also as a way to create good jobs for people who need them most in Chicago, my hometown. Yeah. So the part of you buying this company is so fascinating to me because I usually interview founders that have, you know, started it and, and grown it themselves. And I've never spoken to anyone that's actually bought a company before. So what was that process like for you finding the company? And then also Mm -hmm. what is even the process of buying a company? Like I'd love to know more of like the logistics behind that too. Yeah, the environment has definitely changed in the last couple of years. So I bought a sutra in early 2018, almost four years ago now. At that time, I think it was not as developed. Now there are a lot of brokers who represent different small businesses that maybe sell on Amazon or are D2C brands who are looking to sell. Um, At that time, there were a few, but it really was about networking. So I was really lucky to meet a lawyer who did small business transactions. And he had seen a memo come across his desk that a sutra, this wellness product company, was for sale. So when I met with him, he said, I've got a company that might be right up your alley. Why don't you look into it uh, and check it out? So I contacted the, the broker who was representing the sellers of a sutra. He gave me a more detailed packet of information. And I realized, oh my gosh, I buy this product. I'm a user of a sutra. I have this product in my house right now. So the original product line for Sutra was a line of organic yoga mat cleaning sprays. I'm big into yoga and fitness and wellness. I had a bottle of it right next to my mat. And then there were also pain creams and body scrubs, which I had in my bathroom. So I thought, okay, this is somewhat fate or destiny. And then I started a due diligence process. I had a call with the, the founders. There were two brothers who had founded it in their garage, like a lot of great startups. They were serial entrepreneurs. You know, they had bought and sold a bunch of different businesses and they had started a sutra and wanted to move on to the next thing just a couple of years later. So after meeting them initially, I did a due diligence process over about three months, looked at everything from the catalog to the financials, to the customer reviews, to the production processes, and thought there's real opportunity here. There's some really strong foundation. But we also have an opportunity to build a real brand and a real story and mission that we can take out to the world. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And the fact that you were a user of a sutra, like I feel like it really was meant to be. And when you did come in and you bought it and you became the CEO, 
What were some of the things that you did to take it to the next level? Did you have to raise funding? What were some of the things that you implemented that just kind of like scaled it a little bit more and elevated it? Not raised outside funding. Uh, we are we are bootstrapping this thing. So, you know, that comes with its own unique challenges and opportunities. The biggest things we did were, one, we re-envisioned the brand. So to take one step back, when I bought Asutra, 99% of the sales were on Amazon. And while that's great in some ways, it obviously presented a lot of risk because we didn't want to have all of our revenue depend on one sales channel. And we really felt like there was an opportunity to raise both awareness and sales by being in retail. So in order to be able to be in retail, we had to have a brand that would look good on the shelf and tell a great story. So the first thing we did was a lot of market research to understand how did people think about their self-care and where was their white space where a sutra could offer something they weren't getting yet. And then we took that research, developed a brand strategy, and hired a creative agency to help us bring it to life. So we completely redid the logo, the packaging, the website, and relaunched the brand in 2019. And then the second big thing has been a focus on diversifying our revenue. So not just focused on Amazon, but as I mentioned, really diversifying our revenue streams by distributing a sutra in retail channels. We've gone from zero retail doors in 2018 to almost 6,500 retail doors today with Target, CVS, and some natural channels as well. Wow, that's incredible. And I know that there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast that might have product lines that might be wanting to start businesses. And I feel like Target is like the Mecca. It's like, oh my God, like if you're in Target, you've made it. So what did you do to get into those retailers? Did you have to know people? Is there, you had to like show proof of market or what were some of the things that landed you in these like huge retailers from only a year after you bought it or a few months after you bought it? Yeah, I'll give you three different examples because I think they're good examples of different ways to get in. So with Target, absolutely, that was our holy grail too. We redesigned the brand with the idea of putting it on the shelf in Target. Now, you know, that one took us two years to get in. So with Target, we did have a rep who worked with us. So there's a couple of retail representative groups who are ex-Target employees and work closely with Target buyers. We built a relationship with one of them. They became really enthusiastic about the Asutra brand and um, brought the brand to one of the buyers to work with. So with Target, we started with an online test. We tested five of our SKUs or items on Target.com only. That assured the buyer that they were, they were who really wanted to buy Asutra. So after we generated some sales and some momentum, she said, let's bring you in store. And then she brought us in all the stores. So we launched two of our pain relief items and three of our natural sleep aids in all 1900 stores in March of 2021. And we're expanding our product assortment, adding two new items this March, 2022. So that was through a retail rep. CBS, they actually came to us. So they, I think, saw how well we were selling on Amazon and they were looking for innovative new wellness products to bring into the store. So their innovation team cold called us and said, hey, we're looking to do a test. Would you be interested in participating? We also started with a test there in 400 stores, so bricks and mortar. And then based on the test results, they expanded us to 4,000 stores with three of our spray products, a magnesium oil spray for pain and calm, and then two aromatherapy sprays, which are more entry-level price points in our catalog. 
And then the third example is we launched on Grove Collaborative, an online subscription retailer for natural, better for you household products. We launched with them at the end of June, 2021, and that was through networking. So a friend of mine who owns a similar natural products company that he had launched their brand on Grove earlier, it was doing really well. And he introduced me to the buyer there. Wow. I I love that there's like multiple ways to get in because I do think that that encourages a lot of people, you know, like, okay, let's say you don't know someone or you, you don't know the exact way to get in. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. Like they can reach out to you. There are multiple ways for you to enter. And also I think it just shows create a good product, sell it, brand it, find your audience, find your users, and people could come to you too. Like obviously like CVS did. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important. Product first, for sure. If you have a great product and you've found the right product market fit, a lot of other things will follow. Yep. And I know obviously you are the CEO and you did enter this company, not necessarily at its origination, but you came in a little later. How was it setting that company culture then? from a company that you entered? Because I know that a lot of times when you're building a company, you know, you have to kind of start with the culture, see how you want to, you know, lead. But when you're entering, is it a little different than I guess if you had founded it or how, how did you kind of immerse yourself with their, with the team already? Yeah, great question. We actually ended up rebuilding the whole team. So the founders had started it in Houston, Texas, and a lot of the employees they had didn't want to whereas we knew we wanted to build the company in Chicago, which is where I live. So we actually had the benefit of starting from scratch in some ways, rehiring everybody and building the culture from the ground up. But the one thing I I will say, because I've taken over teams in the past uh, within organizations or companies, is my mantra is always define your core values. What's the mission you're looking to achieve? And what are the core values that you want everybody to share and exemplify because that really drives your culture. With company culture, is there anything that you guys practice as a company? Like what are some of those values that you know, you practice at a sutra that maybe might stand out from, from other companies? Yeah, well, our biggest one is what we call one team, one goal. So we are a lean and mean team, and it's really important that we work together as a team. So each member of the team has their area of specialty, but what's important about our culture is everybody steps up and steps in to help when necessary. That has been absolutely critical during COVID, right? Because yep. People have gotten sick or family members have gotten sick. We've unfortunately had some family members of employees pass away due to COVID. And what made it all work during the last two years is that everybody who could stepped up and helped. Nobody had to be asked to or forced to. And that really allowed us to continue operating very seamlessly. So that's really important. We actually have our core values written up on a big cork board in our warehouse where our production and packing team works. And if somebody really exemplifies a core value, uh, you can actually write their name on a little star, put it up under the core value on the board. And then every month we do a prize uh, for people, whether it's a gift card or something else, just to really reinforce how important it is that we all work together. I love that. I like that a lot. It's a good way to get like engagement also and to to like build company morale, I feel like. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I will say, I mean, especially at this time, right? You got to find ways to keep people connected and keep them connected in a way that's really positive. 
Yeah, exactly. And also another part of the team I know is Venus Williams, which is so cool. And I would love to talk about how that partnership happened. How did she become part owner? How did she like enter into the space? Did you reach out to her? Like the whole story? Yeah. So she reached out to us. I mean, the craziest part of the story of how Venus became part of Pima Sutra is she had her team cold call us. So I, this is very early days. I had just bought a sutra. And so I was at a point where I was literally doing everything. I was running packages to the post office from online orders. I was hiring people. I was, you know, making sure that we had all our processes documented. And I was also checking our customer service email. And so one day I get this email in the, you know, generic support at a sutra.com inbox. And it's from a guy named Joe. Joe works at WME IMG, which is one of the world's largest talent agencies. He said, hey, I just learned about your brand. I find it really interesting. I'd love to talk. Do you have time for a call? And I thought, well, you know, we get so many cold call emails, who knows? But I talked to my husband about it and he works in the sports industry. And he said, that's a really big deal agency. You should talk to him, like whatever it is, just talk to him. So we set up a call and he was asking me more about a sutra and I'm sharing our mission of active self-care, our focus on natural ingredients and our commitment to creating good jobs for people who need them while having a really diverse team. And he said, this is super inspiring. I love everything I'm hearing. And he kept asking me more questions. And I finally said, well, Joe, this has been an awesome conversation, but can I ask, how did you learn about a sutra? And he says, you're probably not going to believe this, but Venus Williams uses your pain relief products. Her trainer found you on Amazon and she'd never heard of it. And she asked me to call you and find out more. And my jaw just dropped. I still remember sitting in this little office we have in our warehouse on this call and thinking, oh my gosh, is this for real? And anyway, from there, conversations ensued. We talked more to Venus's team. We actually sat down with Venus for over an hour right before the US Open, which apparently she never does, to give her a presentation on where a super had been and where we wanted to take it, our vision for retail, uh, doing the rebrand, all of that stuff. And she said, you know, at the time, she didn't really get involved with a lot of other brands. She was really focused on tennis and her own company. So she said, well, I'm not involved in a lot of other stuff besides the brands that I own, but I really love what it stands for. I love what you're trying to do. I would love to join your team. And she wanted a real role. So she signed up to be a part owner and our chief brand officer. And she does amazing interviews with press about new product launches or things like when we launched in Target, she did about a bunch of interviews last spring. She posts on social for us and she just generally helps us raise awareness about the importance of self-care and accessible self-care and also about it. Uh, so she's been great. She also came to the warehouse to meet the team. And the first thing that she wanted to do when she walked in the door was try her hand at making a product. <laughs> so we taught her how to make one of our aromatherapy sprays. And then she laughed and said, this probably looks terrible. I should just catch the office. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, honestly, again, it shows the power of a good product. Like you have to have a product that people like and that people use and that resonates with people. And it's also about the mission too, because you could have had a good product, but if your mission didn't resonate, I don't know if she would want to be part owner. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of goes both ways. Like you have to have a good mission and good set of values. And then also a product that genuinely works and that people use and enjoy. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, it's been great to see DNS also take on the mantle of sharing the importance of wellness and different aspects of that, whether it's mental health or physical health through sleep. Uh, she's really been sharing a lot more about that lately too, which we think is awesome. Yeah. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about self-care and wellness as well. What is your self-care routine? Do you have any routine that you follow every day, like a morning, night routine? What does that look like? Yeah. So my routine is built over many, many years. I was actually talking to our marketing manager straight out of college. And uh, I think she thought I just did everything overnight and started doing it the next day. And what I had to explain to her was, no, you know what I did is I picked one thing and I did one thing at a time until it became a habit that made me feel better or feel good. And then I'd add another thing. And you don't have to do 20 things at once because I do think sometimes we feel like, oh, I have to you know, eat really well and sleep all night and do this and do this. Blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you just feel overwhelmed, right? That you can't do 20 things at once. And so you do zero things. And our big thing is do one thing and do that one thing well. So for me, this journey started 20 something years ago. Uh, the first thing was movement. My husband and I didn't have a regular fitness routine. We were working around the clock. And what we realized is we needed to have more movement. So exercise was the first thing. That then led to diet because we're like, okay, you know, we can work out all this time, but then if we eat pizza and drink a bunch of beer or wine, we're not going to feel as good doing that workout the next day. So what are the ways that we can get healthier, more nutritious food into our lives? Then sleep, I would say, as we aged, we realized we needed more rest. So we are huge, huge believers in eight to nine hours or more of sleep a night. Our sleep is sacred. We really focus on that. Um, and then as, even as I've gotten into a sutra, it's been such a fun opportunity to learn more about different ingredients like topical magnesium, melatonin, even essential oils like lavender or eucalyptus and all the mind, body, soul benefits they have and figuring out how to incorporate those things into my routine as well. Yeah. And I feel like in the self-care slash wellness industry, there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of you know things online and things that people say that... I feel like sometimes you don't know if they're actually like gimmicks or if they actually work mm -hmm. or if they're actually, you know, are people just doing this because it's trendy or is it something that actually helps? How do you kind of decipher with that, even when you're creating product, like what do you decide works and what doesn't and what's like a, the placebo effect versus like actually effective? So first we always look at research, right? What's the research base out there that shows, does this ingredient have backing by research and science that it helps you in some way? So magnesium is a great example. It's the fourth most abundant mineral in your body. And yet two and three of us are deficient in magnesium because we used to get a lot of it through our food, but based on the way food has grown these days, the minerals and nutrients are more depleted from the soil. So you have to supplement. You can take it as a pill, but you can also absorb it into your body through your skin in lotion, spray, or bath soak form. And if you use it topically, you can also use it in a more targeted way for pain relief, muscle cramps, et cetera. And there's a whole research base that talks about the value of magnesium. So number one is research. Um, number two is working with a chemist on our team to figure out, okay, so then what's the right combination of ingredients that delivers that hero ingredient or active ingredient in the right way for the right effect? How do we get the right skin feel? And then for us, the other important point is looking at the environmental working group and other research to make sure that all the ingredients we're using are rated safe for you and for daily use. Um, and then finally, customer feedback. So every time we develop a new product, we get a bunch of samples. We have lots of people try it, give us their honest feedback. 
and we use that user experience to refine the product before we bring it to market. Yeah, I love that because I do think that there obviously online has so much information and like sometimes I feel like it's too much information (laughs) where we don't know how to cut through like the noise and like what's real, what isn't. But I think that having it be, you know, research-based and also hearing other people's experiences is so, so important. And whenever you come up with a new product, what's your favorite product? I'm curious at Asutra, do you have one or do you have like, are all of them your favorite or? (laughs) Everybody always asks me that. It's like trying to pick your favorite gift or something or your favorite pet if you have multiple. You know, I do love our magnesium stuff. So I'd say that's my favorite line. Right now, a couple of my favorite products are we have a fairly new cooling cream. It's 10% menthol with magnesium, and it also has shea butter and almond oil in it. So it's multitasking. It moisturizes, but it also provides cooling pain relief. Since I work out so much, it's really great to use after exercise, like a sore hamstring or even sore muscles in your neck and shoulders if you've been on Zoom all day, for example. And then my other favorite right now is our Dream the Night Away Sleep Lotion. So it's melatonin, topically taken with magnesium. So in this formulation, the magnesium helps you feel calm, relaxed before bedtime. And then the melatonin also supports a healthy cycle. I need to try the lotion, like the the magnesium lotion. I feel like that's something that would help me so much. So I definitely need to try that and get my hands on it. But I also want to know, because I know that you are very busy, you know, you have a company that you're running, you have a team that you're you're in charge of, you're also, you know, doing your wellness and your self-care and focusing on yourself and getting a good night's sleep. So what does your day-to-day look like? I know that might be a broad question. I, might, I know every day is probably different, but what's like a general day-to-day in the life of like a, a CEO of a sutra? <laughs> yeah, my weekdays are very different than my weekends. I am very structured at work. So, you know, even before we get to the day-to-day, we set an annual plan for the team and for the company at Astra. What are our goals and priorities for the year? What does the budget look like? And then we manage to that pretty tightly. I translate those annual goals into quarterly goals, monthly goals, and weekly goals for myself. So what is it that we need to accomplish in those increments to end the year the way we want to? And then every week I set uh, what I call an action plan for myself. So I look at the calls and meetings I have for the next week, the free time I have, and then I assign myself tasks to accomplish the monthly and quarterly goals each day of the week. And I think the important thing I learned early on is that it takes you a lot longer to do things than you think. So (laughs) I really try, you know, if I have a day where I only have an hour of free time in between meetings, I'm not going to give myself seven tasks to do. I probably won't give myself anything to do that day because things inevitably come up. But if I have a day where I have no meetings or calls, then that's a day that I'll focus on, you know, cranking through some projects. Maybe I'm writing a blog or I'm writing up a plan for Venus or whatever it might be. Uh, so that's what happens during my Monday through Friday. I do also try to keep my Fridays really free so that I can catch up on everything from the week and also have some time to think. I, you know, as, as a business owner and leader, you need that unscheduled time to research new product ideas, to think about your marketing strategy, to imagine new things that the business can do. And if you're in meetings or calls all the time, it's hard to have the mental space to do that. And then my weekends are totally opposite. They're completely unstructured. So that's just time to sleep in and not set an alarm, get a good long workout in, have a nice long meal, reconnect with friends and family, and just really like refill your cup. 
Yeah. And do you set boundaries for yourself with the sense of like, okay, Fridays, I'm not taking meetings. Mondays are going to be this day. Like, how do you structure those boundaries in your work week or like weekends? I'm not checking email. Like, what do those look like for you? Because that's one thing I will say I struggle with. I struggle with like Mm -hmm. setting those boundaries with on the weekends, you know, I have like notifications on my phone. So if I see something, then I'll just answer it. And then I'm like, oh, I opened it. Like I have to answer it now or I'm going to forget or, you know, things like that, that I'm working on. And it's something I'm, I need to get better at, but I have such a hard time with like turning off or, you know, saying mm-hmm. if someone's like, oh, are you free that day? And like, maybe I'm free, but like, I don't necessarily want to do anything. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I want to say like, yes, but I don't want to do anything. You know, it's like those boundaries that I need to set in place and work on. I don't do a great job at it. So I'm curious of how you set them and like which ones you have. Yeah. So this goes back to our earlier conversation about does everybody deserve self-care, right? I mean, it really does go back to that because part of that is, do I deserve to say no? Do I deserve to just time for myself and not have to give a reason? I don't want to get together with you or I don't want to respond to this email right now. So some simple tactics to try. And you know, my husband even struggles with this. So a lot of it is very familiar. Turn off the notifications you don't need. Seriously, like turn off the email notifications, turn off the Instagram notifications. That way you're in control of when you check those things versus feeling like you're at the mercy of your phone. Mm-hmm. Same if you're on your computer. I shut down my email when I need to concentrate on something. So if I need to write something up, for a blog, or I need to create a plan or analyze our budget, I close my email so I don't see those dings and those messages coming in. So I can really focus. That's one big thing. Like take control of your technology, I would say. And then for me, you know, I figured out the way I work, I really like to have my weekends free from work. I just need the two days completely off and not thinking about work to come back on Monday rejuvenated. So if I have a bunch of deadlines or it's a super busy time, I'd rather work really late during the week and know that I don't have to work on the weekend. That's what works for me. For you, it might be, hey, like I know I need to, you know, start no earlier than nine and work no later than 4.30 during the week, but then I'm okay to do some extra stuff on Saturday if I have to. So just figuring out what works best for your rhythm and when you're most productive and then sticking to it. So they say yeah. that you have to do something for four weeks to make it a habit. So force yourself to do that and then try to incorporate it into your lifestyle. Yeah. Do you have like a structured time where you log off or it's kind of depends on the day? Uh, it depends on the day. But for me, I really like to try to be offline by five, my time, wherever that may be. Um, you know, lately we've been traveling more. So whether it's in Chicago or in New York, I am offline by five. And one other tool that, that can be really helpful is if you, let's say you're sending an email that you want to get out of your inbox at like 4.55, but you don't want to deal with a response, schedule send that email, right? Schedule it to go out the next morning at nine so that but when you get the response, you're actually online, you're willing to engage with it. That's so smart. I need to do that. (laughs) The scheduling, the turning off the notifications. I know it's hard because I feel like it is going back to our first thing. Like I'm like, I need to answer or this person needs to hear from me or, you know, I don't like, I don't want to forget. And so I'm just going to do it anyways. But then it's also can be, you know, rude in other ways where if I'm in the moment with like my boyfriend or my family or my friends and I'm distracted by work, like that's also 
not very kind to the people that I'm with too. And like not very respective of their time too. So it's one of those things where you have to really be mindful of that and like not be constantly distracted by other things because now it's so easy to be like our work, our lives, everything that people demand from us is in our pocket, like everything. Yeah. And I, I just launched, so I'm the um, founder and CEO of a startup called Rella. So we just launched on the app store. It's like a project management tool for influencers and for content creators. And now I know we're getting responses of like, like if something's not working exactly the way it should be working, or like someone's confused about how to do something, or we're getting a lot of user feedback now more than before when we had like a small group of beta testers. And so now with the user feedback, I'm like, how am I going to set these boundaries of like when I respond to user feedback or when I respond to customers or the dev team, like when do, are they going to work on like bugs that we might have? Like which ones are the priority? Like it's, a whole new mindset that I we have to take on as a team. And so boundaries, I think, and setting those boundaries is going to be so crucial, but it's just like knowing which ones to set and like when to set them. Yeah. Well, and I think you have to realize, look, unless you're an emergency room doctor, there probably aren't real emergencies that are coming your way, right? It's not a life or death matter. Truly. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to remind yourself of that. The second thing I'll say is, you know, set those boundaries and communicate them. I cannot believe that, you know, I, or what I should say is I believe that 99% of your, you know, new app customers, if you are just straight with them and say, look, customer service responds between 9am and 5pm Monday through Friday. You matter to us, but we're not going to respond over the weekend because we need to take time to rest too right? Or here's the roadmap for the bug fixes. We've heard from you that these are the top three. So these are the top three we're going to focus on. And then we're going to focus on four through six next, you know, and here's the timeline. I found that when you're just clear with people and set the right expectations, they respect those. It's when they're not clear that that's where trouble happens. And then you're always going to have the 1% of customers who are just, they're just persnickety and they're going to demand <laughs> instant responses and they're going to demand refunds. But those aren't probably the customers you want anyway. And so it's okay to let that go. Yeah, no, that's such good advice. I know I'm like, wait, let me take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you hope from a podcast, right? That you hear at least one thing that you're like, no. Oh, that made me think differently, or maybe I'll go do something differently as a result of listening. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a free advice session. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, congratulations! But- <laughs> too. I mean, that's a big deal that you just launched a new product. So you should also take the time to celebrate that. Thank you. Yeah, we took some time to celebrate, but like work at the same time. <laughs> but we're doing like a team dinner tomorrow to really take time to celebrate with everyone because I do think as founders and as like owners you don't celebrate a lot of things because there's always like things to do. You know, it's like, you're never at the end. So you feel, I don't know, not necessarily guilty, but like you feel like, well, I don't want to celebrate because I have X, Y, Z, a million things to do afterwards. So like, this isn't that big of a celebration. And I think we forget to celebrate like milestones and like big deals. So I really want to make it a point to, to make sure that we celebrate those milestones and not like neglect them just because we have other things that we need to do. Yeah. And it may sound like crazy rigid that I set these goals and these time chunks, you know, every year, every quarter, every month, every week. But the part of the reason I do that is exactly what you just said. If you break up your big goals into bite-sized chunks, you you have more reason to celebrate when you achieve them, right? 
you can look at that and say, oh, wow, yeah, like this month we did X, Y, and Z. And even though those aren't our end goals, they really moved us forward to where we want to be. Yep. Yep. Well, before we go, I also wanted to ask, what is the realest piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? It could be work-related, self-care related, anything at all. The best advice I ever got was from a good friend I worked with in nonprofit education, where we, you know, we all experienced a lot of burnout there. Talk about a mission that you'd feel guilty neglecting any minute of the day. Mm -hmm. We were trying to make sure every kid possible had a great education and opportunities in life. And anytime you took a break from me, you felt like, am I leaving somebody behind? And that was really the moment that sparked in me this lifelong journey on self-care and wellness. And my good friend and colleague there said, everyone deserves happy. Mm -hmm. And that sounds so simple and almost cliche, but I think really digging deep and reflecting on what does bring you joy and what does make you feel happy and content. And then are you okay saying no? Are you okay taking that time for you? Are you okay not responding to that notification right then? Because maybe that's not what made you happy at that moment or over the course of time. I think that was, you know, everybody deserves to be happy and really sit with that was the best advice I've ever gotten. I love that. And I think it's so true. And it's something so simple, but people need to be reminded of it because a lot of people don't believe it or forget about it and aren't like living that. So I really love that piece of advice. And it's a first we've ever gotten that on the show. So. Okay, great. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for such a good conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Where can they find you? Where can they find Asutra? Yeah. So you can find Asutra at asutra.com, A-S-U-T-R-A.com or on Instagram at asutra.life. I am also on Instagram and LinkedIn as Stephanie Morimoto. So feel free to connect me. I'd love to continue the conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.